0: Hi, everyone. It's Casper here. We've got some fabulous live shows coming up that we hope you'll be able to join us for. We're in Cambridge, Massachusetts on October 2nd, Washington, D.C. on November 7th, Chicago, Illinois, where my uncle was born, on November 21st, and St. Louis on December 19th. We hope to see you there.
1: Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Chapter 1. The worst birthday. Not for the first time, an argument had broken out over breakfast at Number 4 Privet Drive. Mr. Vernon Dursley had been woken in the early hours of the morning by a loud hooting noise from his nephew Harry. I'm Vanessa Zoltan.
0: And I'm Kasper Kyle.
1: And we're back for Season 2 of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text.
0: Season 2.
1: Woohoo!
0: When I was growing up, it was very exciting if my mum took me and my three sisters on a day trip to London. I remember one time being particularly special because it was just me that went. And we went to London and we went to see a show. It was called The Red Balloon. And I remember, you know, loving the music and the dances. And at the end of the show, as a kid, I was given a red balloon to take home. And it was just like taking a piece of this magic big city back home with us on the train And so, you know, I felt so special and I got home and we got out of the car and walked up to the front door. And literally, as soon as I was through the front door, I remember I was like pulling my sister's hair. I was being just a brat. I was being annoying. And I just remember looking at my mom's face and she just looked at me and was just so disappointed. She would put all of this effort in and And this was the way that I responded just by like really spoiling the experience, you know, just really putting a sour taste to the end of a beautiful day. And I just think there's so much of that sense of disappointment in this chapter. You know, Harry is back with the Dursleys and he just feels so let down, especially by Ron and Hermione, who, you know, he expected would write letters, would invite him to come and stay. And I can imagine him just looking at them in his mind's eyes and being like... I really thought you were different from this. Just like my mom was like, I just gave you this amazing experience and this is how you're responding? Yeah. That's not what I wanted. And so I, I just think that theme of disappointment is so present in this chapter. But I, that was the, the memory that really came back to me as we think about this theme.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that your story made me think of, Casper, is how... Harry must also be disappointed in himself the way that it sounds like you were disappointed in yourself that evening.
0: Absolutely. Because
1: he's immediately gotten sucked back into this Dursley dynamic. So it's like the year at Hogwarts never happened. Just like it's like that day never happened with you and your mom.
0: And that's so true. I mean, even now, it's so hard, you know, when you're back with your family or oh, back yeah. with, with the people you grew up and you just fall back into patterns that you don't want to be in anymore. I
1: don't know what you're talking about. That never happens to me. <laughs> Before we get into this more, because I think that you really illuminated all of the disappointment that is in this chapter. Should we do our 30-second recap challenge?
0: I'm very excited. I feel like I've been practicing on our weeks off you know, i've got a, I've got a new process that I'm excited to share with you. Are you ready? I'm gonna try
1: on your mark. Get set. Go.
0: So Harry is back with the Dursleys, and we meet him on his birthday. And he's having a really rough time. He's missing Hogwarts, just like it's a constant stomach ache. They've locked up all his spell things, but they're still a little bit afraid of him using magic words. And um, um, uh, uh, Dursley is going to have the masons over. He's going to do a big deal. And so they're practicing where they're going to stand and what they're going to do. And Harry's going to be hiding. And it's um, very strange because Harry suddenly sees two eyes in a hedge. And then suddenly he's sent upstairs, going to be quiet. And there is someone sitting on the
1: bed you did so well
0: thanks vanessa i really appreciate that feedback voters feel free to join vanessa's assertion that this was a winning recap that
1: but wasn't my assertion <laughs> so, i guess you oh, should... i'm a man not hearing exactly what a woman said <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's so unfair you set me up for that <laughs> vanessa you ready i'm ready here's your 30 seconds three two one go
1: Harry is back living with the Dursleys, and it's his birthday, and it's really sad. The Dursleys don't even remember, like, in any way ever, and um, he's hungry again, and he has to deal with Dudley again, and it's just awful, and his stuff, all of his stuff is locked under the stairs, and, and poor, um, the poor, stupid bird whose name I can't remember is locked in the cage and then they're having a big deal dinner and Harry gets sent up to his room and he wants to just pout on his bed and then but Dobby is sitting on his bed
0: stupid bird
1: couldn't remember Hedwig's name I wanted to call him Hagrid and I knew that that was wrong
0: (laughs) so many edges in Harry's life I don't know how he keeps them all in line
1: (laughs) I know I'm sorry Hedwig I actually love Hedwig okay so Casper Your story made me think of how your mom was disappointed in you and you were disappointed in yourself. And so I'm wondering for the first time in my life out loud if disappointment is iterative in that way and that we're seeing that in this chapter that Harry is behaving badly, which possibly makes the Dursleys dislike him more, which eggs Harry on more.
0: Like a doom spiral. Right. That's always the way I think about it, where one thing sets off another, and then you end up in this cycle which no one wants to be in. Right. And then everyone's just disappointed.
1: I'm wondering if Harry had come home and like been the bigger person. Right, that last line of Sorcerer Stone is, "I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley." What if instead he was like, "I'm going to be the bigger person. I have matured and come into myself in this last year." I think that's really tough,
0: Vanessa, because. You know, I think the onus is on the grownups in this situation to be the bigger person, surely.
1: Absolutely. The onus is on the grownups. I just think that there are ways to shift the norms of a situation. And Harry has grown and learned a lot in this last year. And I know whenever I go home and I'm behaving like 14-year-old Vanessa, and it's like the last 20 years of growing and maturing haven't happened. I am disappointed in myself. I feel icky.
0: He's still 12.
1: Yeah. What? I'm just...
0: (laughs) Well, I wonder if we actually see Harry doing exactly what you're asking him to do in the moment where he's like, when they go low, we go high, that kind of thing. And he sings himself happy birthday. And he is going upstairs prepared to be quiet, like prepared to be the better person and let the Dursleys do the deal with the Masons and he is preparing to do the right thing or at least trying to not create a cycle of doom and of course then suddenly Dobby appears so that's when everything goes out of the window but I think maybe you're right Vanessa that he actually is trying to be the better person and has found a way to shift his own attitude from making it worse to making it better by by singing himself a little birthday song he's like they're not going to give me what I need let me give myself what I need
1: I absolutely think that I'm asking the near impossible of Harry. I'm not even asking him it. I'm acknowledging that you just sort of hate yourself even if you can't help it, right? Like There are things that we do that we are disappointed in ourselves for doing. And it's just like, I wasn't set up for success to do anything better. I just still feel gross for not doing it.
0: We do also see that Harry still has some hope to be treated better by the Dursleys. You know, there's that moment where Uncle Vernon cleared his throat importantly and said, now, as we all know, today is a very important day. And Harry just has this glimmer of hope of, maybe they've remembered that it's my birthday this year. Of course, they haven't, or maybe they have, but they're not celebrating it. It's about, you know, this big deal that Vernon is hoping to do. But isn't it interesting that Harry still still has a little room of hope in his heart about who the dursley might be
1: what i love about him being optimistic in this moment is that there is no evidence that this will pay off for him that being hopeful in this moment won't lead to disappointment so it's almost like a willful opposition of you are not going to get my spirit i'm still going to be hopeful about you right and I think that Harry actually has a really nice balance with the extent to which he's hopeful with the Dursleys. He's not so hopeful that he goes home for more abuse over Christmas holidays and is like, maybe this will be the first pleasant Christmas, right? He's not overly hopeful, but he takes these moments. I I think that there's a resistance going on here of, I'm not going to let you turn me into a cynical person who has no hope on my birthday.
0: I love that. Yes. Go, Harry.
1: (laughs) Right. It's like this perfect balance when someone is abusive to you. I'm not going to intentionally put myself around you. But when I am around you, I'm not going to let you beat me. Right. I'm
0: going to try and hold a higher ground for our relationship and who who you can become. Yeah.
1: What's interesting, though, is... The difference between his hopefulness around the Dursleys.
0: And with Ron and Hermione. This is so interesting that you pick up on that because that struck me as well. You know, we know that he doesn't hear any news from Ron or Hermione, even though they've said they're going to be in touch. Um, And yet he doesn't really reach out to them. He
1: can't because Hedwig is locked up, right? Right.
0: I'm sure he is an inventive man. We know he's good with plans. I feel like if he really wanted to, he would have found a way to reach out to them some way, somehow. And there's a sense that internally, Harry feels like, you know, we know that from the text, that he senses like, oh, well, Maybe that friendship didn't mean what I thought it was. Maybe they don't like me. Maybe they don't, you know, want me to come and visit. So there's a doubt there and a sense of not only disappointment in their relationship with one another, but also a sense of disappointment in himself. You know, maybe that he is ultimately alone as he is in this birthday situation. That I think it's that question of worthiness that comes up again for Harry. Of oh, maybe it's my lot to be disappointed, and I need to get used to being disappointed.
1: Well, I think that your reading is really valid. I had another reading of that, which is that Harry really can't see a way of getting in touch. That Hedwig is locked up. He doesn't know how else to get in touch. But what's interesting is that he doesn't ascribe that same potential logic to Hermione and Ron. That it's like, well, I have a reason why I can't get in touch. And maybe there's a reason that they can't get in touch. And I feel like we do that to ourselves all the time. If I receive a really short email from someone, I will get offended and be like, why would they say that like that? They don't like me. Yeah. Whereas I know that when I send a really short email, it's because I'm rushed and wanted to make sure that an email got out the door because I love the person. So I wanted to make sure I did it. And I just didn't have the time or mental capacity to do a great job. And why don't we just assume good intentions in others? And I think I think our conclusions are the same, though, that it comes back to a sense of self-doubt and a lack of self-worth right. that we do this to ourselves all the time.
0: Yeah, completely it makes sense to me.
1: I think it also speaks to when we're in a negative environment, negative emotions just breed more easily. So, for example, if you are sitting in a classroom and for whatever reason it's become a really competitive classroom and, you know, people talk over each other and and it's just this sort of gross environment. By being like peaceful and sweet, you're not going to win in that environment, right? Because the environment of the classroom is competitive. So people are going to interrupt you and it's just the cycle. And then you're going to get mad about the fact that people interrupt you. So you're going to interrupt back or you're going to shut down and say, I'm not playing this game. But either way, the dynamic wins, right? It would take some sort of miracle to break up that dynamic So it makes sense that at Hogwarts, Harry's able to be this other thing. But when he's at the Dursleys, he becomes this sort of ugly thing. The culture of that house really is insidious and infects him.
0: Just like it infects Dudley. You know, I think he's another example of being in that kind of classroom where everyone's competitive. And, you know, who knows how Dudley is feeling right now. He's also had a year of boarding school. Like, what has he learned? How is he wanting to be different? You know, I can just imagine these 12-year-old boys coming back together being like... I'm going to change the dynamic at number four Privet Drive. And as soon as they walk through the door, they're like back in their age old kind of relationship system.
1: Just like you, you had this lovely day with your mom and you want to come home and be this peaceful, sweet boy with his red balloon.
0: And there I am like pulling my sister's hair.
1: Yeah, right, within like 30 seconds. It just, it takes more than an afternoon out at the theater. And I think maybe part of your mom's disappointment You know, she tried for a miracle. She was like, I'm going to take my boy out and I'm going to somehow create a different circumstance through this magical day. And then I just fell apart. Right. So it's not just a disappointment in you, but it's also just a like there's nothing I can do to shake up this dynamic at home. I remember moments of my mom looking like that, of like my kids are going to be beating each other up forever.
0: And luckily it did get better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's called aging out of (laughs) preteenhood. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Quip. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text listeners, I don't want to scare you, but three members of the Not Sorry Productions team have recently lost a tooth. Now, none of this was because of bad brushing. It was because of accidents that happened. But I am concerned about people who love Harry Potter and their teeth. Quip's Electric Toothbrush can help you in your routine of keeping your teeth and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine after the summer. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash harrypotter right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash harrypotter. My brother and sister-in-law have a fig tree, And it makes me sad because I live 3,000 miles away from the fig tree, and I love figs. I think they are like proof of a higher being. Now, I resent them less because due to Fleur's amazing Hanami scent, I get to smell like the fig tree. They make stunning, non-toxic perfumes, and they list all of their ingredients online. You get a good scent made with clean ingredients. Go to Fleur.com slash Harry Potter today to check out our curated sample set and get 20% off of your first custom Fleur sample set. That's P-H-L-U-R dot com slash Harry Potter to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. Fleur.com slash Harry Potter. Casper, I'm wondering what you think about Harry's punishment of just this day of really grueling housework. Such grueling housework that he doesn't get fed and like his neck gets burnt, right?
0: Right. And this happens straight after he's kind of pretended to use magic on Dudley and Dudley's like, Mom! And so he, you know, has to go outside and like mow the lawn and all sorts of things. And what's interesting to me is that during all of this hard physical labor, this is the moment where Harry's mind goes to the place of, well, maybe he didn't have any friends at Hogwarts. So there's this kind of element of while he's doing this work, which is humbling in some way, that the weight of the disappointment that's been with him all summer suddenly becomes very concrete in this moment of physical labor. What, what did you see in it?
1: What was interesting to me about the physical labor is that the list of tasks isn't terribly oppressive tasks, right? It's like gardening and mowing. I would imagine that for a 12-year-old, that's sort of harder to do. But so much of... Our world is our mental state. And so because it's a punishment, right, this goes from being a day in the garden, right? Like some people would consider this like a pleasant Saturday, but he feels no sense of ownership over this house. So it's really a form of, I don't want to say slave labor, but he isn't going to get to eat until he accomplishes these tasks, So his imprisonment seems to be mental as well as physical, right? As soon as this physical punishment is doled out, exactly what you said, he goes to this self-loathing place. And I feel like if somebody is exerting control over your body, it's really hard to keep control over your mind. And that's something that we hear about, like political prisoners and people who are being oppressed, that you can maintain a peaceful space in your mind, Nelson Mandela obviously being the great example of that, but it's not something that Harry, I mean, at 12, is able to do, and you know, the punishment that I got most as a kid was I was sent to my room, and I'm an introvert, like, I spent a lot of time in my room, but if I was sent to my room as punishment, it was a punishment. It's not like I'd be like, oh, my room, well, my stuffed animals and my books are here, I'm fine. Like, my room very quickly became my prison cell.
0: You're so right, Vanessa. And I think the fact that he's being mocked while he's doing this work, that Dudley is sitting there with this lovely ice cream, there's a straight comparison about there is someone who is just enjoying the afternoon and here am I doing this hard work. It feels like his agency is being taken away and that Harry really flourishes when he is free. Like, I think we learn something about Harry and the way that he engages with being imprisoned in this way, that he will really resist that to, to the end.
1: I mean, Dudley is really engaging in psychological warfare here. It's not just do the manual labor. It's I will mock you while you do it.
0: But I do want to complicate this because Petunia, you know, has created this enormous pudding while Harry is outside. A huge mound of whipped cream and sugared violets, which if you have ever tried to make sugared violets, that is a lot of work. You know, detailed, precise, difficult. So she may be really spoiling Dudley and, you know, trying to give him as much leisure, but she is working hard, too.
1: Absolutely. And she's a partner in Vernon's business enterprise. But she has a choice. She doesn't have to be making such an elaborate pudding. There's some agency in that.
0: Also, she's heard from her friend Yvonne how nice Mallorca is. And she's like, 10 more sugared violets and I'm going to Mallorca.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: You know, all of this, the whole physical labor piece, the kind of psychological bullying that's going on. You know, let's think about the fact that this chapter is called The Worst Birthday. None of Harry's birthdays to this point have been good. But this is the worst. And I wonder if this whole chapter is in such stark difference with his year at Hogwarts. You know, that is the, the place where Harry wants to be, where he feels at home. You know, this could have been normal for Harry, and it wouldn't have been any different from any other day. But the fact that... He knows that there's something better that's been there for him and will come back for him. It just makes the whole experience so much more disappointing.
1: Yes, and you know what's so interesting is there are all these theories around when you are in a bleak place, it feels like it will be forever. But when you're in a good place, you're very aware that it's passing time. So I feel like Harry is just so down in the dumps that he doesn't see the this too shall pass of the situation. He's not saying, oh, how much does it stink that Ron and Hermione haven't written to me today? It's, I guess we were never friends and we're never going to be friends again, right? So when we feel disappointed, it feels like we're going to feel disappointed for forever. And I think that this is actually a nice reminder that that's not true, that moments of disappointment, they feel like they are truer than good things, but they're not. They pass. So now it's time for our spiritual practice, and in order to start the second season, we are going to start with our tried and true practice of Lectio Divina, which literally just means secret reading. And the way that we do Lectio Divina, which is a variation on the traditional Christian way of doing Lectio Divina, is that it is a four-stepped reading process. First, we're going to randomly pick a line from the chapter, and we are going to ask ourselves literally what is happening in this sentence. Then we are going to ask ourselves allegorically, what is this sort of emotionally standing in for as a sentence. Then we're going to reflect on what it says in our lives, what it speaks to in our lives. And then we're going to ask ourselves what we feel called to do differently after going through this process. So Casper, do you want to thumb through and put your finger somewhere and tell us what line?
0: All right. The line is, he'd almost be glad of a sight of his arch enemy Draco Malfoy, just to be sure it hadn't been a dream.
1: You did that on purpose. I
0: didn't. I really just picked that out of nowhere.
1: Okay, Casper, what's literally happening in this sentence?
0: Harry at this point is feeling so lonely. You know, he hasn't heard from Ron, hasn't heard from Hermione. And he's feeling like, you know, maybe this whole experience of Hogwarts was just an illusion. Like he wants a sign that what he knows is true is true. And so he's like, listen, even Draco is good enough for me right now. Any reminder of that place and who I am in that place is good enough right now. Vanessa what what do you hear in this sentence that's allegorical what images or other things does it connect to for you He'd almost be glad of a sight of his arch-enemy Draco Malfoy just to be sure it hadn't all been a dream
1: What it speaks to me of is just relativity and sort of the new normal right of you know I I live with these freshmen and I feel like the dining hall is always sort of a disappointing experience for college freshmen and it's like even the worst meal that your mom cooked even like that gross lemon chicken you're like oh I would eat that rather than this there's just like some romanticism to it that it's not on a tray nostalgia can make even something bad seem good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, the word dream really jumps out. I don't know. I think dream is such a creative force in literature and in painting and this sense that we can't quite trust our memory because who knows you know it could all have been a dream and often in books you know you come to the end of a story and then like they woke up and it was all a dream harry could have had that experience right now so it's just reminding me of just how fragile memory is and especially when you're the only one in a place who's had that experience you're like can i really trust you know was that really true because yeah. everyone else here thinks i'm crazy you know that just really stands out to me
1: What about step three, Casper, what does this remind you of in your life?
0: It's funny that he describes Draco as his arch enemy, because I think it really reminds me, you know, he is 12, and I've been 12. um, And there are times where you feel like you really have an arch enemy. And of course, we know that's so misplaced. We know who his arch enemy is. And he's already met Voldemort at this point. But the way he's thinking about Draco is that that's, you know, that's where the locus of his rivalry really is. And so it's kind of a playful, childish, you know, obviously, Draco is a nasty piece of work already. But I remember thinking that I had arch enemies. You know, these are people I don't even remember the names of now. And so it's, that really strikes me as something that kind of illustrates where Harry's at at this point. How about you? What stands out for you as something that relates to your own experience?
1: I think the thing that this reminds me of is homesickness. This sort of romanticizing and nostalgia for even the worst bits of something is something that I equate with just profound homesickness where I have sort of a not. Super comfortable bed at my parents' house. But when I am traveling and I'm in- incredibly uncomfortable in some way or another, I'm like, uh huh, I just want that springy, loud, stupid bed. Right? Homesickness can just become so despondent and so lonely that even if you think of someone as your arch enemy, you're like, I would hug them. <laughs>
0: I wonder if Draco's thinking the same thing. It's like,
1: oh, where's Harry? <laughs> there is definitely fan fiction about this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Vanessa, that brings us to the final stage of Lectio Divina, where we want to try and think, what is the text calling us to do? What is it inviting us to do differently? So let me read it just one more time. He'd almost be glad of a sight of his arch enemy, Draco Malfoy, just to be sure it hadn't all been a dream.
1: This whole episode has called me to this. I just went home a couple of weeks ago, and I was so badly behaved. I just, like, every trigger point got pushed on me. And it's one of my favorite lines on a TV show is, I'm mad about you, where Helen Hunt says, how can my family push all my buttons? And Paul Reiser answers, well, they installed them. (laughs) And, like just had that feeling while I was home that, like, all my buttons were being pushed. And what it's calling me to is actually being grateful when I'm home. Going back with a little bit of humor and levity of, like, oh, that's one of my buttons being pushed. What about you, Casper?
0: I'm quite struck still by this idea of, like, if you've experienced something on your own, how are you going to remember it? You know, my fourth and final grandparent passed away this summer, And there's just a whole bunch of memories gone forever. And so it's made me think about, you know, what are the things I'm experiencing now that I want to make note of in some way, whether it's writing or taking more photographs. Not that we have to hold everything permanently, but that there is some value to taking note of the things that really move us now and then, because who knows who will be with us to remember them at some point in the future. So yeah, just I think the text is calling me to maybe journal more or just write down things that I'm thinking about. Who knows, just to keep those memories somewhere. Here, Vanessa, we've been doing these kind of different ways of engaging with the text through a spiritual practice. And I want to ask a new question, which is can we find a way to read onto what we've just done, this theme that we've been exploring in this episode of disappointment. You know, in this sentence of he'd almost be glad to have a sight of his arch enemy Draco Malfoy just to be sure it hadn't all been a dream. What's so interesting is that the text doesn't say he wanted to see Draco Malfoy, but he'd almost be glad of a sight of Draco Malfoy. So He doesn't actually want to talk to Draco. He's just like, I want to maybe see you, like, from a distance. So there's a hesitancy here. What I'm noticing in that is that he would probably be disappointed with himself if he made friends with Draco.
1: Which I think gets back to what we were saying about Harry earlier, that even with all the disappointment that has befallen him, he still has this internal integrity, right? And this internal optimism. Even in despair, he's like, I still deserve better than Draco Malfoy.
0: Exactly. I love that. And I think that's a really a question that I want to ask ourselves is, how do we remind ourselves of that part that's in all of us? Because that's easy to lose sight of, but it's if there's anything that, that is who we really are. I feel like it's that part, that piece of integrity and, and goodness.
1: Yeah, I think that is part of what makes him our hero.
0: Thank you to everyone who's been sending in voicemails. Um, our voicemail this week is from Grace Halverson.
2: Hi, Casper. Hi, Vanessa. So, my name's Grace, and I'm 10 years old, and I'm in love with your podcast. So I've just listened to your Through the Trap Door podcast through the theme of destiny, and I've been rereading the chapter, and it made me think of of a certain line. On page 288 to 89, Hermione says, books and cleverness, they're more important things like friendship and bravery. That was my best Hermione impressions. Anyway, I think this line could have meant one of two things. It might have been Hermione showing a typical Hermione moment, telling Harry what's right and wrong, and giving some sort of sweet encouragement. Harry, you're awesome. You friendship and bravery. That's the best thing that you can have. Or it could have been something much deeper. It could have been Hermione accepting her destiny, coming back to the theme. Her destiny is to love Harry, but not go as far as him, not to be as good as him. It's clear that Hermione loves Harry as an amazing friend, But it's not crystal clear what her meaning is in this line. Is this Hermione accepting that Harry is better than her in some fields, and in the end will go farther than she will? Or is this just a simple Hermione's words of wisdom moment, of encouragement? I'm truly curious to see what you guys think. Again, I love your podcast, and I hope you like my question. Bye, everyone!
0: Grace, first of all, I am very impressed with that accent. That w- that was like legit movie-style accents. Nice work.
1: Chris. this is, I hope, obviously, the best voicemail that we've gotten and probably ever will get ever. But I completely disagree with you about Hermione's destiny. I love your different reading of that line. But I guess I just don't think we should compare destinies. There is a Jewish line that the best revenge is a good life. And I think that if you are living your own best life, that it's not worth comparing whether somebody gets as far as somebody else. But I definitely think there's an argument to be made that Hermione's destiny is to go just as far as Harry. And so I love your question. I think that it's great to keep thinking about these things, but my dear, I completely disagree with you.
0: As we start our journey into season two with Chamber of Secrets, we're going to ask you if you want to send in a voicemail, which we very much hope you do, that keep it within one to two minutes so we can share it easily on the podcast. And what we really love hearing from you about is how a story from your own life helps you understand the text differently from what we've shared in the podcast. So many of you have different perspectives and different experiences and we just love learning about them. So please try and find a good story that you can share that helps us all learn from each other's reading so thank you for sending us all your voicemails we get so excited whenever we hear from you Vanessa. it's time for our blessings um, we love to close every episode with a little blessing for someone who we've seen on the pages of this chapter who are you going to bless this week
1: i'm going to stick with my commitment to only blessing women And the woman I would like to bless this week, which I feel like I'm going to get a little bit of back talk from you because I couldn't remember her name during my 30-second recap, but it's Miss Hedwig, who is locked up, you know, this whole summer. She is a prisoner with Harry, and she is the only reminder of the magical world for Harry. And I just think that she is suffering and is a reminder of suffering in the world and I think that that's a lot for like a little bird to bear and so I want to bless her and just sort of tell her that even in her suffering we see her and offer a blessing to those who are suffering today and sort of use this as an opportunity to remind myself to try to see the suffering in others. What about you, Casper? Who would you like to bless this week?
0: I feel like we've talked a lot about Harry, but he is so deserving <laughs> of a blessing and so are we all always, but nonetheless I feel like Harry, you know, really illustrates that sense of fortitude and goodness and just an amazing capacity for trying to keep holding on to the best of who he is in a really difficult situation. So a blessing to anyone who's trying to change things in a difficult dynamic or anyone who feels like they're a little bit abandoned by people who they thought loved them and to hold out for good news and maybe a car rescue in you know middle of the night time thank you for listening to our first episode of harry potter and the sacred text season two next week we'll be reading chapter two dobby's warning through the theme of control
1: don't forget to write us a review on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook, and email us your voicemails with our new prompt at harrypottersacredtext at gmail.com.
0: This episode is produced by Ariana Nettleman, Vanessa Zoltan, and me, Casper Turk-Kyle.
1: Our social media coordinator is Jen Stark. Our music is by Ivan Paizau and Nick Bull, and we are a part of the Panoply Network.
0: Thank you to Grace Halverson, who sent in this week's voicemail, Stephanie Poulcell, Rebecca and Charlie Ledley, and everyone at the Panoply Network for helping us join the family.
1: Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.
0: It's like a good dress, right? Like you want just a little detail here and there. Okay, not that I think about my dresses. I'm obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. We'll cut all of that. No, I can use none of that. No, I know, I know, I know. Okay.
1: I'm just letting you do it.
0: That's so unfair you set me up for that. <laughs> That's so unfair. Life is unfair, Casper. Vanessa, are you, are you ready? 30 seconds. Do you
1: need me here today? You can just have this whole thing by yourself.
0: Hey, I'm Dylan Marin and this is Conversations with People Who Hate Me, the show where I call up some of the folks who have said hateful or negative things about me on the internet. You can listen to Dylan's Conversation wherever you love listening to podcasts. Just search Conversations with People Who Hate Me. And remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen.